0: Welcome to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy. I am your host, Dan Mickle. The Mental Cast is a monthly podcast for mental performance training, coaching, and great discussions. The Mental Cast is proud to be sponsored by Soul Performance Academy. And welcome to Season 4, Episode 7, The Benefits of Losing. And really, we want to explore how we can learn and benefit from our losses and You know, let's be honest and right up front, losing sucks. No one likes to lose, but we can find a benefit in losing. And that can be really tough to do, really hard to deal with, but there are ways that we can do it. And there are ways that we can create our culture in our gym, in our classroom, in our concert hall, in the boardroom that lets us authentically and openly discuss our failures so that we can find some benefits and i think to start with one of the problems that we have right out of the box when it comes to losses and failures is that we tend to focus too much on the analytics of why we lost now don't get me wrong there's absolutely value in analytics and reflection on why we lost but i think a lot of the times We deep dive way too much into the statistics, this demographic or this exact scenario is why this was an issue. And we start to look at all the numbers and all the raw data and creating charts and spreadsheets and we end up just going way too far down the statistic and analytic rabbit hole and why we lost. And what we have to also do is look at what is our culture? What's the culture in our group, in our team, in our boardroom? And how do we handle failure and loss? Because we can't have honest reflection and we can't begin to look at the sources of the failure or the losses if we don't have an environment that's going to let us have truthful, and honest conversations about it. So that's a really, really big aspect of how we deal with failure and how we deal with loss. And here's my other big thing to finish up the background part of what we're going to discuss. We got to get past the slogans and the BS like you don't lose till you're quit and, you know, everything that you find on the back of a motivational t-shirt. We we got to get beyond that because that is literally spray painting a Ferrari. You know, we're just putting a glossy coat over something and we really need to deep dive and see what we have underneath. Okay, so that's the background. That That's kind of what we're looking at in this episode of... We know losing can suck, but there can be a benefit, and we focus way too much on the analytics and the numbers when it comes to loss and failures. We have to look at the culture so that we can have those honest conversations about losses and failures, and we have to get past the BS slogans. We have to get past the, you're not done till you quit, and push through, and all that great stuff that... Sells a lot of t-shirts, but doesn't solve a lot of problems.
1: All right. So let's look at some solutions. Where do we start? How do we
0: learn and how do we actually deal with failure? And how do we grow from failure?
1: For me, I think one of the first things we have to look at is we need to really examine what our goals are
0: and what. Our wants really are a lot of times we have failure or perceived failure because we don't know what we actually want we have a rough idea of what we want we have a rough idea of how it should work but we actually don't have a schematic or a plan of what is our goal what are we trying to accomplish what do we really want out of this season, out of this game, out of this marketing campaign, you know, whatever area you're in, you need to know what your goals are. And I'm not going down the path of goal setting and whether goal setting is good or bad. I'm not even really looking at that aspect. I'm just saying you really need to know what your goals are. Simply saying we want to increase sales is not a goal. That's a Broad vision at best. So, how do you know you actually fail? Because technically, if your sales increase by 1%, that's not a failure. You increased your sales, but I'm sure that's not the amount that you want to increase them by. So, we need to actually know what our goals and what our wants are. Same in the athletic field. We can sit here and say we want to win or we want a winning season, and those are so generic. But what are your actual goals? What What do you want to accomplish by the end of your season? What will let you at the end of your season sit down and when you reflect, think, man, this was a good season. Now, wins and losses may be part of that. Hopefully, it's not the only part, and there's a lot more about growth and citizenship and life skills and and all that become part of it. But again, I think too many times we go in and just say, I want to have a successful season. I can't tell you how many coaches... When I'm doing a coaching clinic, I say, you know, what defines your success? Well, I just want to have a successful season. Okay, what is that? A winning record? So do you deem a winning record as the sole indicator of success? Of course not. You probably have a lot more into it. But you really need to know what that is
1: because that's what's going to help clarify your vision of your goals whether your
0: season was a success or a failure, but then how you can learn from it, how you can grow from it.
1: It's hard to learn and adjust if you don't know what you're even aiming towards. So that's our solution number one. First, we need to figure out what are your actual goals and what are you trying to do? Second part of the solution is we need to take the time to learn how to actually win.
0: That may sound crazy, but I don't think a lot of people actually know how to win. And I'm not saying on the scoreboard or or getting the sales or getting a top score on your performance. I'm saying how do we handle that emotionally? How does our psyche handle winning? because if we don't handle winning well, we're certainly not going to handle failure well. And again, I'm not saying that when we win, we have to throw these big parties and make a big deal about it, but how do you handle your process when you win? Do you just chalk it up as, hey, we won, or do you have those reflective moments where you go back and say, okay, this is what led us to this victory, or this is what led me to this score, or this is what led us to landing this big client. Because if you just accept the fact that you won, that you got a good score, you won the match, you landed the big client, you had the big sales, and move on, you're doing yourself a disservice just like if you were failing. So we have to take the time and figure out how to
1: actually win so again we have to look at how do we actually win learn to win so you can learn how to fail
0: don't take that out of context I'm not giving you permission to go out and try and fail I am saying We need to learn how to be positive and how to take things away from positive situations so we can learn how to adapt and
1: overcome negative situations. Okay. So step one was know our goals. Step two, take the time to actually learn how to win. Step three, know your tribe and how they can help you. A lot of times, especially as leaders,
0: we take failures very personally and we feel like we're on an island. We take ownership of it probably more often than we should. Again, not saying we need to pass the buck. I'm just saying that we are not always 100% responsible.
1: The reason I bring this up is not because of blame. It's because of reaching out for help then. How can we reach out to other people in our group, our team, our mentors, to help us deal with these failures? Let's take an athletic coaching staff, for example. Your team is failing, your team is losing.
0: How can you rely on the rest of your team, your coaching staff, your managers, your statisticians, to help you understand and work on that failure?
1: What strength does the assistant coach bring you? What strength does the statistician bring you? How
0: can you lean on them to help you with those failures? A lot of times as a head coach, we take it very much, it's all on you. Again, I'm not talking about blame. This isn't about, well, it wasn't my fault we lost. I'm talking purely in the sense of When we fail, how can we use our team around us, our staff around us, our administration
1: around us to deal with that failure? Do you go to your assistant coach and ask them, hey,
0: what did you see? How can we overcome this?
1: Was there anything that I did that you think we could change? Or, hey, can I give this role to you? Or sometimes you do
0: have to have that tough conversation. I've expected this a little bit more out of you. Can you help us? Again, this isn't about blame. This is about learning from the failure and correcting things. And it goes back to that that piece in the beginning in the background that I said that we have to have that culture where we can have those conversations. So everyone understands that this isn't about the blame. This is just about trying to figure out how
1: we can work through this and how we can do better. How I can use my tribe to help me out with this. Okay. So our solution so far, just a recap, know our goals and what our
0: wants are. Take the time to actually learn how to win and be a winner. This last one was know your tribe and how your tribe can help you overcome those failures and even avoid those failures. Earn the trust of your teammates, earn the trust of your staff, earn the trust of your administration so they can help you avoid those failures.
1: You're not on an island alone. The last part is interesting A path does not always need to be taken,
0: and I want you to think of desire paths. For those of you that don't know what a desire path is, is have you ever seen a park or somewhere that has sidewalks, but maybe it's kind of laid out, kind of wonky or weird, and there's this path that you can see cut through the grass or cut through the trees. It wasn't designed that way, but people have been taking that shortcut around, and you just see that the path is worn out, right? That's a desire path. It's not the path that was designed, but that's the path that everyone's taking because it's quicker, it's easier, it's more scenic. There could be a million reasons why. But a desire path is the path that's actually created by the use of the people and not created by the design of what people think. And what this means for me and and what I'm trying to convey here is, sometimes we see examples. We see coaches succeed, we see the way coaches train, and we try to mimic that. We try and do the same processes to replicate their success. And what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes we need to go on our own desire path. Sometimes you know your tribe, you know your team, you know your situation,
1: and it's not going to fit in that cookie cutter template. And sometimes we have to break through that.
0: Sometimes we have to create our own desire path to get where we want to go,
1: to get things the way we need them. And that's really hard.
0: If you are an athletic coach, let's start with this group. If you're an athletic coach,
1: think of all the things that you do because of tradition. What are all the things that you do
0: just because that's always been the way it's done? Not because it's a
1: strength to your team, not because it's a weakness to your team, just because it's always been done that way. You know, I I try, because of my volleyball background, not to do too much volleyball stuff
0: because I think that's low-hanging fruit for me. But I, I want to give an example In the early 2000s, there were some rule changes to volleyball, specifically indoor volleyball. One of the changes were the service line. Prior to the 2000s, we had a hash mark, and I believe it was six foot. There was a six foot area across the back line where you were able to serve, basically a serving box. Think tennis, you know, back right corner of a tennis court. In 2000s, when we switched to rally scoring, they got rid of that. And now the whole back line is a service area. You can serve anywhere from the back line. Ironically, if I walk into a gym of beginners or even most clubs and tell a group of players to go serve, just hand them a ball and say, go serve, guess where they go? They go to that back right corner and serve. Why? Because that's where their coaches serve. And that's where their coaches serve. And until we get a new crop, which is coming in now, that never had that service rule, and they are becoming the coaches, that won't change. But everyone's going there because of tradition. That's how my coach learned. That's how I learned. That's how I
1: coached it. That's the cycle. Those are the things that we need to break we need to create our desire path and serve from the other side of the end line in this specific example these are the issues that i'm talking about these are the traditions that can be common.
0: whether you decide to kick first or receive why some people do it because tradition says we should always receive But maybe that's not the strong point. Maybe your defense is the strong point. So maybe you should kick first so that your defense can set the tone for the game. Whether you serve or receive in volleyball. With rally scoring and everything being a point, most people choose to serve now because they feel it gives them the best chance to earn that first point. But maybe you have a very poor serving team, but a very good defensive team. We're a very good side-out team. Why wouldn't you want to receive then instead of serving? Or vice versa. Maybe you want to serve because your receiving is not good. And you don't want the nerves. You know, so one thing is there's a lot of reasons here why we do things, but normally it's because of tradition. Normally it's because it's the path that we have always gone down. And sometimes when we fail, it's because of that. We fail because we are continuing to do the same thing over and over again. Versus really looking at what we're doing, taking the tradition and the bias of tradition out of it, and then learning to fail. And learning how to overcome that. And moving forward. All right. We'll wrap this up and continue after a brief message from Soul Performance Academy. Soul Performance Academy is a leader in training solutions in the area of mental performance, leadership, teamwork, culture, and sports coaching. Soul's programs are designed to fit the needs of individuals, groups, and teams. Whether on the field or in the boardroom, Soul Performance Academy has a program to help maximize your production. Soul Performance Academy offers a variety of training delivery methods, such as in-person, remote, and self-paced online courses, as well as custom training options for all ages, levels, and activities. For more information, visit their website at soulperformanceacademy.com, and be sure to visit them on all social media platforms at, at 717-SOUL. Soul Performance Academy, helping everyone get from good to great. All right, and we're back. So let's recap some of our solutions to our problem. We need to know what our goals and our wants are. We need to know where we're going so we can actually measure if we're succeeding or we're failing, and not all failures and not all successes are the same. Some failures are bigger than others. Some successes are bigger than others. But if we don't actually know what our goal is, how can we figure that out? Two is we need to take the time to learn how to actually win. And again, this isn't about being graceful in winning. It's about how do we take the information that we have gotten from that win and continue to use it to grow from it, to add to our success. Because how can we expect ourselves to take information away from our failures and how we learn from our failures if we can't learn how to do it from our successes? Because there's a heck of a lot more brain noise and traffic and stress when we fail. So why not learn how to understand things when we succeed so that we can bring those processes into our mind When we're dealing with failure
1: third is know your tribe and your team and how they can help you again this is not about passing the buck and blaming
0: someone else this is how can the people around me help me succeed how can the staff and people around us help us succeed this isn't about Where our staff sucks at. This is about where will my staff excel to help us get beyond that. And that's a big part of what we have to look at. We can't just say, oh, it's on me. Or the assistant coaches didn't do this. Or the administration didn't do that. It's more about, okay, my assistants could help me with this. If my assistants can remind me of this, this will put us in a better place. Or as a player, how can my coaches help me in this? We know the coaches are gonna coach me in the game, but maybe this coach can help me with my diet, or maybe this coach can help me with my time management, because that's where my failure is. I have poor time management, so I'm rushed place to place, so I'm not
1: performing at my best. That's why you need to know your tribe. Know how they can help you. What value do they bring? And then the last solution was to
0: know that a path does not always have to be taken. Just because it's been done before you, just because it's been done successfully before you, doesn't mean that you always
1: have to go that way. Create your own desire path. Figure out how you want to do it. So let's recap all this. How do we benefit from losing and from failure?
0: We can absolutely learn from it. We have to take the emotion out of it. Give it time. It's okay to be upset when you lose. It's okay to be upset when you fail. It's okay to have all those thoughts. But if you just push it aside and say it won't happen again or we'll just do better, that's A disservice to you it's a disservice to your team it's a disservice to your community that's all stakeholders in your team we need to take the time take the emotion out of it then and look at how we can actually learn from we need to cut through the BS of slogans and t-shirts and posters hanging on the wall telling us
1: what is or isn't failure what is or isn't a good ethic for working we need to cut through all that noise and cut through all that garbage and make sure that we work and develop a culture
0: that's going to allow for this open and honest discussions where we're not
1: attacking each other but we are looking at where our failures are and how we can do better by them Whether it's changing something, working on something to make it better, or working on our top 20% to overcome our 80%. Looking at failure is like stepping on a scale. Look, you know if you've been eating healthy. You know if you've been working hard.
0: But you still get nervous stepping on that scale, right? Because you you know it's going to tell the truth. And that's how we have to look at it. We have to look at failure like it's a scale. The scale doesn't care whether or not you were eating ice cream every night at midnight. The scale doesn't care
1: whether or not you drank that 72-ounce soda during work yesterday.
0: The scale cares whether or not your weight is up or your
1: weight is down. And that's how we have to look at failure. Look at the honest truth of why you failed. Take the emotion
0: out of it once you have given it the appropriate time. Again, I'm not saying we suppress feelings of disappointment, sadness, anger, rage, what all that is that comes with failure we can still experience them but if we want to grow and learn from failure we have to push them aside and look at it but not get buried in the analytics
1: it's not always about the numbers sure maybe you lost because your best player had an off game so then your answer is we have to make sure our
0: best player has a better game But if you don't take the time to step and look at, well, why did they have that bad game? Well, it's because they were up all night studying for this huge test that they had. Or they're stressed out about school or a relationship. They just broke up with their significant other. So you're going to spend time looking at all these analytics, everything that they did, hitting percentages, blocking percentages, batting percentages, free throw percentages, whatever metrics you look at. You can spend all the time to figure out, well, yeah, we failed because we were really bad in that area, but you're missing the point as to why were you bad in that area. It's easy to say, well, we just need to be better at free throws. We need to be better at on-base percentage. Of course you do, but why aren't you there?
1: And that's what we need to look at. And I'm going to end this episode with something probably very
0: controversial, but I want to thank author and poker star Annie Duke for writing the book Quit because it needs to be said out loud in this world of determination and grit and mental toughness and all those buzzwords we forget that quitting is an option but quitting isn't failure sometimes quitting is just moving on to something else to try and get better success A lot of times, we have to quit something to get better at something. Maybe you want to run this offense over and over and over again. It's just not working. So are you going to sacrifice your season to try and prove a point with this offense? Or are you maybe going to switch and try something different? Because guess what? When you switch, it's quitting. You are quitting that offense that you originally wanted. To work on something that may be more successful. And that's the point. That's okay. Quitting just doesn't mean you're giving up. Sure, we could say that by definition it does. But what it means is
1: I'm ready to put my resources somewhere else. You have a kid that decides they want to play an instrument and you have this. Well, if you start this, you've got
0: to finish it. Why? Maybe they didn't like it. They didn't get a chance to sample it fully. They got to go try the instrument one day
1: and then decide what they want to do for the rest of their school career because you don't want them to quit. Or your kid tries out for a a new sport, and after a week of practices,
0: they hate it. Well, you signed up, so you got to at least finish this season out. I get it. I used to be that way. You signed up for this, so we have to finish. We gave our word. So what? We're going to make the kid miserable, the coach miserable, the rest of the team miserable? Because your kid doesn't want to be there, isn't enjoying it, isn't going to put the effort in? It's not a failure if they quit.
1: It just means they're going to go on and try something else and maybe do something even greater. They're going to spend their time on something else. It's one thing if they quit and they're eating Doritos laying on the couch the rest of the day. That's a whole different rabbit hole that we can go down.
0: But so many times, we equate quitting with failure and it's not fair to look at it that way a lot of times. I bet more than not, quitting isn't a failure. Quitting is actually a success because you've recognized what you are or aren't good at. You've recognized what you want or don't want to put your time and resources in, and you pivot and you move to something that you are passionate about,
1: something you are willing to do. A prime example is all the social
0: media that I'm doing now, I used to do something every day. I would sit down at the beginning of the month and schedule out daily prompts, and I'm gonna do these quotes, and I'm gonna do all this stuff. Because I was trying to drive traffic and build an audience, but what I realized is I was just being fake. I was just putting garbage out there so that I would get in people's feeds or i get in the algorithm and people would see it more. But what I'm passionate about are things like this podcast and talking about it and coaching. And the more I do that and the more authentic I do that because I'm putting my energy that I used to waste on putting out that bullcrap stuff, I'm now putting into the podcast and the vlogs and everything that I'm doing. It's going to be more authentic. It's going to be better content. And in the long run, I really do feel like it'll be a bigger payoff for me. But it's going to take some time. My likes went down. My follows went down. Because people just endlessly scroll and click because they see it. I want people to click. I want people to follow this podcast. I want people to rate this podcast. Because they enjoy it. Because they like it. Because it brings them value. Not because, well, I've seen this podcast on my feed a thousand times, so I'm just going to like it. But we could look at me quitting all that other stuff as a failure, but it's not. I view it as a success because it's making my other stuff, the vlogs and the blog and this podcast and the proper atmosphere podcast and
1: everything else I got my hands in so much better because that's where my energy wants to be. We need to stop
0: saying failure can can be a teaching moment and actually show how it can be a teaching moment. How many times have you given that speech after a big blowout loss or big loss and, well, we got to learn from this failure. This is a teaching moment. But then we never teach them.
1: How is this a teaching moment? Show them. This is what I mean by a teaching moment.
0: We didn't get off the bus in the right mindset. We were rushed. We were goofing off during warm-ups. We didn't get in the athletic training room and get treatment that we needed. That's how we make them a teaching moment. Just saying, well, this is a teaching moment. Bullshit. It's not a teaching moment until you actually teach in the moment. So stop saying it unless you're going to do it.
1: Sorry for the swears there. Got a little passionate. All right. So that's, that's the wrap-up for
0: this mental cast. And as usual, I'm going to give you my plea. Please subscribe to this podcast. And then I'm begging you, please just rate it and give me a brief. It doesn't even have to be anything. Two sentences.
1: A brief review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're listening. Because it helps me get
0: in the algorithm, helps get the message out, helps get a bigger audience so we can have these great discussions and feedback. But I need your help doing that. Take five seconds and share this podcast. Click the share button. Retweet it. Follow, like, recommend, rate, everything. It takes you two minutes. And it would help me out a lot. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me. Podcast at mentalcast.com. You can visit the mentalcast.com for all past episodes and information. And as always... You can reach out to me at realdanmichel across all social media platforms, danmickle.com. Reach out to Soul Performance Academy at 717-Soul, soulperformanceacademy.com. And just remember, Soul Performance Academy will help you get from good to great. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, an artist, or in the corporate work world, we can all benefit from mental performance training learn to overcome feelings of self-doubt fear of failure explore how to manage emotions and feelings during competition and develop habits to improve your concentration and manage your focus soul performance academy has solutions and training methods to help all levels of athletes coaches and the workforce visit soulperformanceacademy.com for more information and as always if you go to any of their online courses you can use the code podcast as the coupon code and receive
1: 50% off of any online training. So go out there and fail and learn from it and grow. That's what I want you to take home from this message. We can
0: learn and benefit from failure. We can learn and benefit from losing if you take the time to reflect. All right, everyone. I'm Dan Mickel. I will see you next month for the next mental cast. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast, our weekly podcast, The Proper Atmosphere, properatmosphere.com or Proper Atmosphere. You can search it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. But peace, much love, don't suck, and chat with you on the next episode.